welcome uh, to the inaugural uh, class on Megillat Esther with the uh, exquisite commentary of the Malbim. You're in for a treat. I'll tell you that much. It's an incredible explanation. I know a lot of you heard the story of Megillat Esther, but until you learn it with the Perush of the Malbim, you didn't hear anything. It's nothing like you ever heard. Uh, and it's the real story. And you'll see that he, he can't be making this stuff up because everything he says is built from the Pesukim themselves, which is the genius of the Malbim. He's able to see from the text itself a lot of uh, nuances and a lot of Hidushim uh, that it's, it's right in front of you. you know, it's in, in plain sight of uh, the reader. That's why there's a benefit if you have the text in front of you. One of the pleasures of this type of class is to see the, the words themselves and to see how the master, the Malbim, he plays with it like a magician. He takes the words and he brings them to life. Uh, my apologies that I cannot be present and, uh, you know, in person as I like to be. No disrespect, of course, to our members. But uh, my uh, schedule has me out of town today. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm glad that uh, we were able to use the Zoom. Gam Zoom Letova. We're able to use the Zoom in order to uh, allow us to meet. We can't miss a class because uh, we got to go through 10 chapters. And, uh, you know, before we know it, Purim is going to be upon us. And we want to really get through this uh, incredible story. Now, the... Uh, a little introduction, not too much. I don't want to bore you with history and years and, and all that stuff that they told us in school and that we never liked that, you know. What year did this happen and who was his father and who was his son and what was the names? I'm not going to uh, get involved with that too much, but you just have to know that before Ahasuerus, I'm just going to give you one, uh, you know, preamble. Before Ahasuerus, there was the kings of Babylonia, kings of Babel. For example, the king of Uchadnezar, he was the major one. He was the one that destroyed the first temple. His son was called Belshazzar, also, you know, a tyrannical king, anti-Semite. And uh, Belshazzar was, died. He died in the, uh, in the middle of the night, as was prophesied by the prophet Daniel. And at that point, there was a shift from Malchut Bavel to Paras. It moved from Bavel to Paras. Paras is Persian. And uh, the first king in this uh, Persian, uh, well, not me, the first king, but one of the major kings in the Persian empire is going to be Ahasuerosh. Now, you have to know something about Ahasuerosh. He was not from royal blood. And they call that in America and England, blue blood. Blue blood means he comes from the, the, royal, the royal family, like, like Elizabeth and George and all the sudden they that go back into that empire of England. He did not come from royal blood. He didn't have a, a pedigree of royalty. He was a commoner. The Gemara actually calls the Ashverosh a hediot. Hediot means he was a simple guy. Although he was a warrior, Give him credit for what he was. He was a, a, Rabbi, a strong Rabbi. Yes, yes. Rabbi, Rabbi. Yes. With, all, yes. With, with all due respect, we can't hear you. We're trying to figure out 
how to make it louder. We need two minutes. Do you mind having two minutes to wait? Because we haven't heard you much. Yeah, I'm on vacation. I have all the time in the world. <laughs> Thank you, Rabbi. Oh, that, that we heard. That you heard. That you heard. That we heard. Okay, what's the Oh, I'll have a coffee. Maybe you talk. No, but I think it's also us. Like, you know, we're going to slow down now. Should we, should we mm -hmm. Like a microphone. Put the microphone on. Put the microphone on. Put the microphone on. Yeah, microphone's a good idea. Put the microphone yeah. on. The we do that in the show sometimes. See if I could find the computer's Bluetooth capability or something. Okay. What's this? Microphone. <laughs> if somebody knows more about this than me, then feel free. How to anything it. I don't even know what that means. Like talking to the wrong customer. I don't know how to put my phone to work. So where's settings go? No. What's this? Nothing. Where? I'm not in settings. I'm in a microphone. Where? 
Oh, I don't know. What do I know? I don't know. Yeah, this settings right there. That thing. Isn't that here? No, like the. <laughs> what about, oh, this? Yeah, that one. That one. You just had it. You were just on it, no? Is that where I am? Press it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. No. Why don't you type in Bluetooth? Devices here, Bluetooth. Bluetooth. No. Bluetooth is Bluetooth network. Okay. So now what? What is it? Generic PRP mod? What is it? Uh, no, that would be that. No. Um, okay, Matt's AirPods. It's not. You need to discover a new item. Turn on. No. More Bluetooth options. Okay. Yeah. Apply, apply. No. More Bluetooth options. Uh, That's okay. okay. We did okay. Now. It's open. It's on. What's desktop? This. What does it sound like? Oh, now the scroll is set. Anyone else need to find? No, I'm going to take one second. Start over. Oh, add Bluetooth or other device. Turned on and discoverable. Yeah. Here we go. JB Flip. JBL Flip. Okay. Now try. Okay. How are we doing now? Testing. 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 Now it's not on. Testing one, two, three. Now it's on me. Trying to tell me that it's dying. Okay, again. No. Yeah, talk. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing. Hello, hello, hello. Maybe I'll flip it was there. Speakers, JBL flip stereo. Ah, something. Hello, hello, Labotai. Yeah. <laughs> um, so weird. App volume? No. Manage. I heard, yes. Maybe you have to give technology classes instead of flower arrangements. Nobody signs up for them. <laughs> Oh, okay, let's just see if we can do it. We made sure this was normal from yesterday. Yeah. By the way, we did test this yesterday. Don't think that we're, uh, it was blasting. It worked on the boot. It just worked blasting. Um,
Hello, hello, hmm. testing. Hola. Is this yes. powered off? That's pulled on? I don't know what that is. Yeah, but how do I how do I make it function? Speakers Bluetooth, it says. First of all, I'm making it louder. Second of all, so let it work. Why would it change? I don't know. This is very weird. Like it's it's registering that it's here. So if I sign in on my phone and do it like that, and we're on record for what? Who's recording all this? Well, so fun. But then we're going to hear it 100 ways. How does that work? Hey, which type? Okay, Okay, take your time. Take your time. The flight's not till tomorrow morning. <laughs> Just saying. That's what I found. Okay, try it. What's the meeting test with EJSF? Yes. Did what? Yeah. Oh, connected. Okay. JBL flip. Says it's here. Fantastic. Oh, great. Maybe the volume on the on the piece, the piece itself, the, the, the JBL piece. Hello. Hello, hello. Dusty. Um, wait. Uh, that thing. Okay. Can see it? It says, does it, uh, is this you? So me, maybe it's nice and I now we And now it should be the server I I can't plug it directly into the computer. Yeah, JB, can I? Okay. Rabbi, could you speak? Could you speak? Yes, yes, hello, hello, testing, testing. Hello. Okay, now I got it. Testing. Okay, but now we have to, now we have to, now we have to. Now talk. One, one, two, three. Now we are. One, two, three. Now we are. All right, ladies, welcome again. All right, ladies, welcome again. All right, good things happen to people who wait.
Let me just now set this up over here. One second. Is it okay, ladies? Is the volume okay? Perfect. Okay. All right. Welcome. Welcome. I just want to ask you a question, ladies. If I put my volume off like that, you still hear me fine? Do you still hear me fine, even if I shut my volume off? Even if I shut my volume off? Yes. 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 Because I hear my voice. Because I hear my voice. I don't want to hear the echo. Oh, sweet. Let me I could mute it. I could. No. I could stop audio. Maybe mute your side. Maybe mute your side. Actually, I could mute it. I could mute it. Yeah. Mute all. That's my favorite part of the class. Mute all. Okay. Now I hear nobody. It's beautiful. Quiet. Peace and quiet, finally. Everybody okay? Okay. I guess so. All right. Now, just establish... Just ladies, one, one more technical item. Maybe you want to adjust the camera because I think I'm looking at the ceiling and it's a little difficult to give a class looking at the ceiling with all due respect again. Oh, that's a little better. Yeah, okay, a little better. Just to see some uh, some humans. Yeah, that's... Well. All right, ladies, uh, welcome. We are, uh, we're learning Megillat Esther with the Perush of the Malbim. As I told you, it's, uh, it's fascinating and it's novel. It's nothing you ever heard before. And the beauty of it is, is that it's not his own. He actually uh, brings to life his Perush, his commentary from the words of the Megillah itself. When you learn the commentary of the Mabim, you'll find that once you learn his commentary, you can't learn it any other way. It's so uh, uh, perfect and precise from the text itself that you're forced to say that this is what, you know, when they wrote the Megillah, this is exactly what they meant. I think we left off uh, before the technical difficulties. I was just giving you some history. Ahasuerus was one of the kings of Persia. He follows the kings of Babylonia. The kings that preceded him was Nebuchadnezzar, the one that destroyed the temple. Belshazzar, that's Nebuchadnezzar's son, he died. Now, Belshazzar had a daughter. I'm sure you heard of his daughter's name. The daughter of Belshazzar is Vashti. Queen Vashti. So here we have a little uh, issue over here. Vashti actually is royal blood. She's a princess. She's a daughter of a king. However, Ashverosh is a commoner. He's a general of an army. He's a powerful guy. He was able to conquer a lot of countries. And his rise to the kingdom was partly because he was a warrior. And that's why 
Megillat Esther begins, it, the reason why it refers to him as a Hashverosh without the word Melech is because he really didn't deserve to be a king because of his lineage. He was a Hashverosh. He's a regular guy. However, while he was still a Hashverosh, the commoner, before you knew it, he conquered the whole world. And then all of a sudden, this commoner, now by his uh, his might and by his uh, you know his fighting and his warring war war effort was able to conquer the whole world. The rabbis tell us, Hodu Vatkush, 127 provinces. But again, he is a Hashverosh. So, what is the um, what is the challenge now that Hashverosh has? And this is typical politics. He becomes a king. In the olden days. The kings, there were two types. One king is called a limited ruler or a limited monarch. Let me explain to you what that means. He has limited powers. Although he's the king, he sits on the palace. But, for example, he has to follow the law also. The king is not above the law. Similarly, if I could use the president of the United States, I hate to use the president for anything, but we have to use the president as a mashal. The president, of course, is a powerful man, but he has to follow the laws. He's still bound by the, the Constitution. And in the olden days, the king also had to follow the laws. Furthermore, the king has to respect the capital. Wherever the capital has been for the previous years of the monarchs, that's where he puts his throne. So, for example, if you have a, a president of the United States, he has to live in Washington, D.C., you know, because that's where Abe Lincoln lived. And he can't come along and say, oh, well, you know, I want to move the capital to, uh, you know, to deal New Jersey. You can't do that. He has to follow the, the history of the, of the country. Furthermore, as a king who's limited in power, you also have uh, advisors and you also have courts and they make laws. The king doesn't make laws just like the president doesn't make laws in our country. We have a House of Representatives, we have a Senate, we have a judiciary. And therefore, they make laws and they make judgments. So the king doesn't have just power to make all sorts of decrees. Finally, in a regular kingdom, the king has a budget. You know, he doesn't have an unlimited amount of money to spend. Uh, the king has to answer to the treasurer and the treasurer gives the kingdom a budget, how much they could spend on, you know, whatever, whatever they want. And that's the way Ashverosh was initially. He was just a regular king, like everybody else, with limited powers. And I must tell you that most people said that the only reason, I shouldn't say the only reason, one of the reasons why Ashverosh is the king is because of his wife. You know, he married up. He married royalty. So therefore, although he might not deserve it from his, uh, you know, from his, uh, his, his genes, his chromosomes, his family history, but since he married royalty, so therefore, that's why he's the king. And Ahasuerus, like many leaders, and you must know this because this is happening in the United States as we talk, when you give them a little power, power corrupts. And they want to now grab more power. And they want to become 
from a limited monarch to an unlimited monarch, or the way we would say it in our words, to become from, let's say, a democracy to a dictatorship. Hitler was a dictator. He didn't have to ask anybody for anything. He did what he wanted. So Ashverosh is a very politically savvy guy, according to the Malbim. I know you learned it when you were young. Melech Tipesh, he's a drunk, he's a fat old man, he's a, he's a you know, uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a clown. That's what they taught it to us in school. Malbim says absolutely not. I mean, listen, he's, he's the king of 127 countries. How, how uh, you know, how imbecilic could the guy be? He has to have half a brain on his head. According to the Malbim, he was very politically savvy, and he was clever, and he had strategy. And his strategy, uh, in this case, is that he wants to figure out how to transform his kingdom from a normal monarch to an absolute monarch. That means he wants to grab power where he's totally in charge and he can do whatever he wants. Now, once you have that introduction, the first chapter is going to reveal to you Ahasuerus' plan and how he moved from limited monarch to absolute monarch. So actually, the first chapter of Megillat is state is politics. I mean, you can read this in the, uh, you know, like the politics in the Wall Street Journal. This is, now we're going to have to ask ourselves, why would we have to read a chapter you know, it talks about Hasvirosh's, you know, uh, 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 um, uh, want or will to try to become a dictator. We'll, we'll see that soon. So what's the first thing he did? In those days, when he was still limited, when the king was sitting on his throne, first thing he did, he changed the capital. Look at that. He moved the capital from Washington, D.C. to Shushana Bira. Now, that's a big thing. All his predecessors sat in a certain place. And he said, I don't have to do what my predecessors said because I'm a dictator and I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to put the palace where I want. Now, I'm sure that made the front page of every newspaper. But, you know, in the beginning, the dictator doesn't show his true colors, what he's doing. Yeah, it's convenient, COVID, you know, they make all these type of excuses over here. And everybody just uh, sees a trend, but they're not too sure what's in Ashverosh's heart. But it's a slow process. And they start to grab a little power and they blame it on that, they blame it on this. But the intention of the leader is to take full power. So that's the first thing. He moves the capital. Now, you never read the Pasuk like that. You always read, okay, Shoshana Bira, big deal. No, the Balbim learns this Pasuk as a tremendous political move to establish Ahasuerus as supreme. I don't got to answer to nobody. What do I care where Belshazzar and where the Bukhadnezzar and where my predecessors? That continues. It's the third year of his kingdom. It's early on. He made a party. Now, before we talk about the lavishness of the party, which everybody always wants to know, how was the party? We'll talk about the party in a minute. Uh, but listen to we invites to the party. Lechol sarav v'abadav. 
he invites Sarab, his officers, Avadab, his servants. These are his men. Hel Parasumadai, he invites the army. And then it says, And then all the ministers that were appointed before him, which means this is a, an amazing political movement he just did here. He's inviting everybody to the party, but who's he inviting first? He invites the servant before he invites the ministers. Now, when you're sending out invitations, there's a certain dedicated, you invite the minister first, and then you invite the low guy. You don't want the, the low guy to get invited first. The minister finds out there's a party from the low guy. What Ahasuerus was doing over here was saying, everybody is equal to me. There's no difference between the minister that was appointed before me, the governors, or the low guy, the Abadav. So even the way he invited to the party, He's showing that in, as of now, there's only one guy who's on top, Azverosh. Nobody has status anymore. So the, the, the army, the, the, the private in the army gets invited before the governor. Uh, imagine that today. Imagine the president was making a party and he invites, I don't know, he invites some soldiers before he invites the 100 senators. That would be a bouchard. That would be a, what do you mean? The senators are you know, an elite group. And they only get, get invited in the second round of invitation. What does that tell the senators? You're nothing to the king. You're like everybody else. Now watch what he does at the party. This party was not merely to celebrate. Every party has a purpose. You have a wedding, it's to celebrate a wedding. etc. Hashverosh's party had one purpose. It's to show the wealth that he has in the kingdom, which means he's now making a statement. I am not limited by budgets. It's my money. And since I'm a dictator, the government cannot tell me that I'm over budget, that we reached a certain amount in our you know, uh, 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 quota, how much we could spend. Hashverosh wants to make a message to the whole country. It's my money. And I could spend my money as I see fit. And therefore, I'm not going to make a two-day party. I'm going to make a 180-day party and spend the money as I wish. Again, purpose of the party is to let the people know all the taxes that you pay is mine. It does not belong to the country. There's no oversight. You see, even, even in our country, to a certain degree, the president has to explain to somebody, you know, his accounting, where did he spend the money? And there's always meetings, uh, judicial meetings or Senate, Senate hearings, we call them, in, you know, uh, 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 making investigations, where the money was spent, who spent it, who authorized it. Ashverosh now is saying, nobody is going to tell me how to spend the money because it's my money. So you see, ladies, what's happening here? This is a slow process. First, he moves the capital. Then he sends out invitations in a very, uh, you know, systematic way in order to lower the governors, to take away their status. And then he's going to take the money of the kingdom, which he belongs 
which he believed now belongs to him. And now the Torah comes along. Torah, the Megillah says, Now watch this. After the 180-day party was over, what more could you do? He made another party. Now this party was for the people who live in Shushan. You had to show a, you know, a resident card that you come from Shushan. Because she had to show a vaccination card also to get into the party. But they had to show that they were a resident of Shushan. And who's invited to this party? Everybody. This is for the people, for the for the bourgeoisie, for the for the common people. This was not a party for status people, for elite people. Even for kids. Seven days. Now, where was the party held? That's incredible. He holds the party in the king's royal gardens. Now, you don't know this. But uh, as a general rule in Paras, Bavel, commoners are never allowed in the royal garden. The royal garden is limited for state events, for dignitaries, for foreign ambassadors, for diplomats. You don't invite regular common uh, workers and kids to run around the royal garden. Ashverosh is basically saying, I don't follow any precedent anymore. I do what I want to do. It's my palace. It's my rules. I, re I rewrite the rules and I rewrite the protocol. So don't tell me that I'm limited by the minhag of, uh, you know, avotin, as we would call it. You know, don't, don't tell me that there's, 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 a, there's a written rule in the protocol of the kings that you don't let commoners come into the garden. So on purpose, he makes a second party and he, allow, he takes the sign off, you know, no trespass. He says, you can do whatever you want now. It's my palace, and I, I decide who goes with. So you see, every one of these pesukim is kabanabam. Every one of these pesukim is a calculated move by a very, very strategic and uh, savvy, savvy man. Okay. And the Gemara, and the Gemara. Of forgetting where we are when we get out the stair. Now, the uh, Megillah will tell us some of the lavishness of the party. If you're a party planner, you might want to pay attention. You might get some good ideas from uh, Ahasuerus. But I think they got all the ideas, to be honest with you. Maybe Ahasuerus get some ideas from the party planners. So we had all uh, types of tapestries, all different type of colors, green, you had the purples, so, you know, all types of curtains and cushions. And he had he had marble beams and he had benches made out of gold and silver. And he had marble floors with all types of mosaic and inlay and all something, something extravagant. Not only that, but he went beyond. In the olden days, when you went to a party, you still see it in some, some countries. They don't have like today. We have Baruch Hashem, a lot of glasses, and cutlery, and you know, tableware. You would go to a party. There's 10 people sitting at the table. They put three glasses on the table. And everybody would have to share. You know, one guy drinks and the next guy drinks. They all drink from the same cup. 
This is before uh, the pandemic, you know. They, they, they drink from maybe that's why they got it. But the point is, they didn't have enough to go around. Even the richest people, that was the menag. They put a bottle of wine in the middle of the table, three cups. The guy takes a sip. They pass the cup around. They take the sip behind him. And uh, that's how they did it. Here, v'hashkot v'chlezahav. First of all, they didn't use glass uh, dishes. He served in goldware. And you never heard that. You heard of silverware. But I don't think you ever went to a party where they served in gold. Don't get any, don't get any ideas. In all different size glasses. Which means the Malbim says, everybody got a bottle of wine in front of them. And connected to the bottle was a gold cup. So everybody had their own cup with their own bottle. Talk about uh, elegant. Talk about lavish. Even our weddings, you don't have that. You, have, you gotta go to the bar and they give you a glass with some ice. Here, you get your own bottle and attached to the bottle is like your own gold cup. So nobody has to wait for anything. And there was a lot of wine. He opened up all the royal wineries and the, um, the storage houses to bring out the royal wine. In Ones. Now listen to this. The drinking was done in a new way. Nobody was forced to drink. What does that mean? Why would anybody be forced to drink? You never go to a party and they force you to drink. So he says, no. Because in the olden days, when they didn't have enough cups, you were forced to drink so the next guy could get the cup. But over here, since everybody had a, a cup for themselves, you weren't forced to drink for the next guy. You can drink at your own pace and at your own uh, at your own uh, time. Very good. So now, it's working perfect. Ahasuerus is spending all the money of the government. Nobody can tell him what he wants to do. He's in Shushan. Move the capital. The plan is working like a charm. But we have one problem. And that problem is called Vashti. Or as the Sephardim say, Vashti. I don't know if she was a Sephardi or Ashkenazi Vashti, I'm not sure, but we're going to call her Vashti. Now, what's the problem with Vashti? Her mere existence is a problem. Because she is an heir to the throne of Belshazzar. So as long as she's, you know, in power, let's say, everybody will say, He's only the king because of his wife. And that limits Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus is trying to make it that what? It's me. I'm the guy. And everybody says, what do you mean he's the guy? He was a nothing. He was, he was, he was a stable boy. What, 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 what makes him the king? Of course, he married up. He married into the royal family. So you married a princess. That makes you a prince. In this case, it makes him a king. So therefore, he had to reduce Vashti. Understand? He has to reduce the status of Vashti in order that this plan that he has will, will, will succeed. So now watch this. I want to teach you a nuance that the Mabim will use throughout the first pedic of Bigilat this year. Ladies, answer a question. I know you're on mute, so just imagine you're answering the question. The question is, is the queen Vashti, is she called Vashti Hamalka or Hamalka Vashti? Good question. Now you'll see in the first pedic, 
sometimes she's referred to as Vashti Hamalka, and other times she's referred to as Hamalka Vashti. Now, there has to be a reason why when they wrote this Megillah, they decided to shuffle these two words around. It's not just, you know, a typographical error. Malbim's theory is like this. When Ahasuerosh wants to reduce Esther, the Megillah will refer to as Vashti. She's just Vashti, and then she's the Malka because she married me. Vashti meaning she's the commoner, or she's nothing. She's Vashti. Hamalka is second. But when the Megillah wants to show the prominence of Vashti, it will say, no, she was really Hamalka Vashti. She really was the queen because she's from royal, royal blood. So therefore, let's use that formula and let's go to the Megillah now and the next Pesukim, if you have the Pesukim in front of you, the Pasuk says, and we're Pasuk Tet, Gam Vashti Hamalka Asetam Mishten Nashim. Ashverosh now wants to minimize his wife. So what does he refer to as? Vashti Hamalka. She's, she's only the queen secondary. She's Vashti. And therefore, she says, yeah, he says, you can make a party also but you can only invite ladies. So it's a, a small party that she's making for the ladies. And where does she make the party? says, your party, Vashti, is not going to be in your quarters. <clears throat> Vashti's party will be in the king's quarters. Now that's a political move. That's to show Vashti doesn't have any quarters over here. Her party is made in my area, and I gave her permission, and it's a limited party. It's Mishten Nashim. So look what he's doing over here. The plan, it can't get better. Everything is working uh, perfectly. The capital, the spending of the money, and the reducing of the status of his wife. She's Vashti Hamalka. Are we following so far? Wonderful. It was the seventh day of the second party. So the king drank a little. He was, uh, we'll call it wine happy. Amar, look what he's going to do over here. Talk about somebody that's power hungry. He tells his servants, or his, uh, I'm going to use a fancy word, his chamberlains. These are his servants. Who are they? Okay, the king. And what do they, what does he, what is he going to tell them? <laughs> Go bring Vashti Malka. Now, you know what type of disrespect that is? She's a queen. You, you don't send in the butler to call the, the queen. The queen, she has her own royal servants. She has her own royal uh, uh, people that serve her. It's a very disrespectful way to summon the queen to come in to see the king and you send in these, uh, you know, the custodian guy, the guy with the mop. It comes in with the, with the mop, with the squeegee. Uh, the king wants to speak to you. You know, I'll show you, I'm the queen. But that's exactly what he's trying to do. 
He's trying to shrink Vashti's stature in the eyes of the people so he can say, I don't need that lady. That lady didn't make me king. I'm the king because I'm a strong man because I conquered the 127 countries. So the Pasuk says, look at the, at the language. They have Vashti HaMalka. Again, Vashti HaMalka. Anytime you see that, these hospitals are trying to put her down. She's Vashti. She's a nothing. And then she's the queen. How should she come to the king with her crown? Now let me explain to you what Malbim says. What do you do with her crown? Tell her, I wanted to appear without her crown. Let her bring her crown in. And when she comes in front of me, she will put the crown on. Look at the language. When she's in front of the king, she will put the Keter Malchut on. What does that show everybody? That she's only the queen because of Azverosh. Oh, the guy. You see what he's doing over here? Now, what else does he want to show everybody? He wants to show how beautiful English, how pretty she is. Why? Why, why does Ashverosh care to show off the physical beauty of his wife? I mean, I know he's a goy, so you can't ask questions on a goy. But put that aside. If we're learning this chapter as a political chapter, so why would he want to show the prettiness and the beauty and the glamour of his wife? Simple, says the Malbi. He wants to tell everybody, you thought I married her because she's Belshazzar's daughter? I married her because she's a pretty girl. <laughs> Nothing to do with her. Who cares who her father is? I didn't need her. I'm the king on my own. King wants to marry the prettiest girl. She happens to be a pretty girl. So look how beautiful. So on purpose, he's pointing out her physical beauty. And again, that's a reduction of the status of Vashti. And that makes the Hasverosh much bigger. Now, ladies, I don't expect you to fall out of your chair when you hear this, because when you read Megillat the Stivit Malbim, everything sounds so, so normal and so natural. But I want you to pause from time to time and think how you learned this. I don't know. We learned so far uh, 11 Pesukim. How did you learn it before we sat down today? You didn't, you didn't learn anything like this. You just learned it as a king, a dumb king, drunk, getting parties, wants to see his wife uh, come out. But the Madim adds like a, um, what should we say? He adds like a, a drama to it. He adds like, a, it becomes almost like a, a plot. There's a plot over here. There's, you know, scheming. And he makes it very, very, you know, an interesting story that everything that's taking place is what we will call calculated and politically motivated. Is that clear? Wonderful. Now, the next pasuk is the beauty. What does the Pasuk say when Vashti gets the invitation? Well, she's offended. She's offended on a lot of fronts because she's, she sees what her husband's trying to do. First of all, she's getting summoned by the, by the, by, by the custodians. And secondly, what, I should come there and put the crown on in front of him? What does he think? He's only the king because of me. So look what the Pasuk says. Vatima'en, she refuses. Who refuses? Hamalka Vashti. She says, I'm not Vashti Amalka. I'm Amalka Vashti. I was the queen before you were born. You were still working as a stable horse, a stable boy for my father. You're a zero. 
you're trying to make me like a Bashti Malka. So she'll always defend herself and say, Malka Bashti, don't forget that. Lavo Bidvara Melech, that I have to come to appear in front of the king. Asher Biyada Sarisim. She was, she was offended. The Sarisim, the Chamberlains, the custodians are calling me. What do you think I am? So what did she tell the king? As we say in the vernacular, jump in the lake, go fly a kite, like we would say. That's what she told her husband. I'm not coming. Now look at the pasuk. Look at Ahasuerus' reaction. Let's see if you can understand his reaction. The king was not angry, but he was very angry. And his fury was burning inside of him. Great ladies, what's the difference between and that his fury was burning inside of him? It's two things. There's Vayiksof and there's Hamato. It seems that he's angry on two different levels. Malbim. Without Malbim, there's no way he can learn this. Malbim says, you know why he was angry? For the simple reason. He was embarrassed. And listen, a guy tells his wife, come, uh, come inside. And she comes back along and says, I'm not coming. That's a busha. You know, all, he's sitting with all his friends. You know, and he's telling him, yeah, I'm the king of my house. My wife is to me. I'm the boss. All that. All of a sudden, she says, you're nothing. So therefore, because he's angry. However, inside, he was angry for a different reason that only he knew. What was that? She's ruining his plan. She's ruining the plan. His plan over here, he just spent 180 days. He moved the capital. He's doing all this to make himself the unlimited king. And here comes his wife. And in one disobedient behavior unravels the whole thing. So, they, But that's Hashirosh's secret because he knows what he's doing. So that's why it says, Inside of him, he was angry for a different reason. He was angry because of the because of the reason that was uh, that was explained. You see, once the Malim sets it up so beautifully, we can explain the two levels of Ahasuerus's uh, uh, anger: the obvious anger, and then the inner anger because she spoiled his plan. Now, this is the part that is what I think the Gemara says. You read this in the Gemara. King Ahasuerus is referred to as a hafachfach. You know what a hafachfach means? It means he's fickle. You know what fickle means? He keeps on changing his mind. And I think that's why they refer to the king as a tipesh. Tipesh means... He would always waffle. You know, one day he thinks this way, and very easily he he turns a different way. At this point, the Malbim says, Ahashverosh had a change of heart. Because he knows now that if he's going to bring his wife, after the party's over, to the royal court, and they're going to judge Esther as a rebel, they're going to kill her. I mean, this is a somebody that disrespected the king in such a public, so he knows now that 
you know, the courts are going to get Vashti dead. Now Ahasuerus has a change of heart. And all of a sudden he loves his wife again. And now Ahasuerus is going to try to maneuver to save his wife. What about his plan to become dictator? At this point, he wants to save his wife. He's willing to forego his plan. And that, that's why you say, hold it. But a second ago, you, that's why they say he was a tipesh. He keeps on going back and forth. He's not predictable. So look at the pasuk. There was a certain court that was called Yod'eha'itim. This is the a court that was used when a, uh, a commoner would rebel against the king. So they would bring that person to this court over there. And they would you know, make decisions based on different calculations. So the Ahasuerus knew that if she's going to be judged by the regular court, that judges commoners that fight against the king or rebel, she's dead. So the king says, this doesn't have to go in front of a, a major court. This could be done. Listen, it's, a, it's Shalom Bayit over here. It's Shalom Bayit. We just need three arbitrators, a couple of Dat uh, Vadim, people that know the law or the moral law or the protocol. It's a domestic issue. Ashvaros is trying to minimize what happened. He knows that if he's going to turn this into a royal issue, then they're going to kill the queen. So he says, no, we don't have to go to a big court. We can keep this under the wraps. We can keep this quiet. That Badin, the people that know the etiquette. And listen, he's figuring that you know what the etiquette's going to say? Listen, Ashrosh, you can't blame your wife for not coming. You know, the Persian ladies are very modest. You ever go to Persia even today? The ladies have a head covering and they only see their eyeballs after them and they walk very much. You can't blame her for not coming. That Badin, there's that, there's Deen. And therefore, Ashverosh now is trying to save his wife. So right away, he ships the case. He takes it away from the royal court and brings it to the domestic, uh, you know, domestic uh, 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 situation of Shalom uh, Bayit uh, court. Uh, we'll call it that Badi. Now, who were the judges? These are the, the judges. These are the uh, people that were close to the king and they could see the king. What does it mean they see the king? They know from the king's face what he wants. You know, sometimes if you're very close to somebody, uh, you could just look and you know what he wants from his eyes with the twitch. Uh, if I'm sitting in the synagogue sometimes, there's a guy sitting next to me, sees, I'm twitching, gets me a sidur. I said, you know, I know the rabbi, I know I can tell the eyes what you need. That's the people that are very close to you, they can see from your face. So he specifically called those people because they're going to understand that he wants them to make Vashti innocent. He's not going to tell them explicitly because he doesn't want to show, but they, they're going to see from his way, this, it's Shalom Bayit, you can't blame her. Parsiyot are modest. She didn't have to come. Now, and listen the way he presents the case. Ladies, Pasuk Tet Zion is a beauty. Listen to the way he presents the case to the court. 
כדת מה לעשות. Judge her not according to royal, judge her according to the etiquette. And to do what? What we should do במלכה בשתי. Wow, now Ashverosh calls her מלכה בשתי. So what do you see from there? He backed off. He backed off. He listened, she's מלכה בשתי. After all, she's the queen. She's the daughter of Belshazzar. Yesterday he was saying that she's Mashiach Malka. Listen, he loves his wife. You know, he still loves his wife. So therefore, he tells the court, this is all about Malka Vashti. So the, the court understands that. They get that nuance. Now he's trying to exonerate. Listen to what he says. It's true. She didn't listen to me. But but why didn't you listen to me? Because I embarrassed her. I sent the Sarisim. So Ashverosh is the best lawyer for Vashti, by the way. He's giving the case, but he's saying it in a way where the court will understand the king doesn't want to kill this girl. This is whatever this Vashti. Now, if the court would have went according to plan, they would have said, you're right. It's a Shalom Bayit issue. After all, she is the queen. She's the daughter of Belshazzar. You're really embarrassed her by sending the chamberlains, which was really not nice. You can't expect a parcial lady anyway to come in public. It's not their way. Queen is innocent. Everybody go home. Nobody would have known about it. Would have been a quiet affair. And everybody would have happily ever after. However, there's one guy on the court who's a wise guy. You know him as Haman. But the Megillah is not going to call him Haman yet. <coughs> it's going to call him by another name that he had, Memuchan. Now, in the middle of the court, they're about to take the gavel and say, Vashti, innocent. What ends up happening? Vayomer Memuchan. Memuchan opens his, uh, as we would call it, his big mouth. He says, he wants to talk. He says, no. He says, you're making a mistake, my dear king. Lo ala melech lebado abeda vashti ha-malka. Look how Aman refers to the queen. What are you calling a malka vashti? She's vashti ha-malka. Because Haman wants to now convince the Hasverosh, you were right there. You were right there. You almost became a dictator. You almost became absolute. Why are you changing your mind? What, what, what's happening to you? You're going to let a lady now get in the way of your uh, aspirations? She's Mashiach Malka. And therefore, what does he say? She didn't only sin against you. By the king, this is not only a crime against you. You know, if you want to forgive her, that's one thing. But this, what she did, is going to have repercussions across the whole kingdom. Why? He explains. What's going to happen? People are going to start talking. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, wow, this Bashti, she's really, uh, she's a champion for women's rights. She really shows who wears the, uh, who wears the pants in the family, as they say. Look at that. That man, Ahasuerus, he called his wife, and you know what she told him? No. You know what that's going to do for the women right people, all those women livers? 
they're going to come along now and they're going to start protesting against their husbands and it's going to be a whole new thing in the in, in the world where now they're going to say women's rights and all that stuff over there. Now, we're, we're past that already in our generation, but at least in, in the earlier generation, that wasn't so popular. And therefore he says, they're going to embarrass their husbands. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, the king called his wife and she refused to come. Now, they're not going to know the details. Listen very closely. You know how it works. Only the people that were there know the real story. You know, you know the game telephone? As the story, you know, goes from person to person and the, it spreads, a lot of the details are forgotten. And people just know a basic story. And when you don't know the details, it's a corrupted story. So what is, how is the story going to get out? If they would know the real story, they would say, listen, uh, of course you have to respect your husband. But in this case, Hashverosh was asking Bashti to do something that was impossible. He, he embarrassed her. He didn't treat her right. Fine. But they're not going to hear that. They're going to hear, Hashverosh called the queen and she said no. And it's going to look like that Hashverosh was asking her in a nice way. And Bashti said, you don't tell me what to do. And that's going to empower the woman. And therefore, you're going to have now a whole new uh, situation going on in the country where the woman is going to disrespect the husbands. So you see what, Hashverosh, what Haman did over here? He's trying to get uh, Hashverosh to change his mind again. And guess what? He will. So in one chapter, you'll see Hashverosh. He's like the pendulum on a grandfather clock. You know, he keeps on uh, swaying. Well, whatever guy whispers in his ear, and that's the way he's able to Together. So what does the Pasuk say? And, and the, the people that were at the party who know the story, there's a problem for them too. They heard the queen. They were there. You know what they're going to say? They're going to say, look at Hashverosh. He's only the king because of his wife. So there's a double problem. The people that were not there are just going to hear a story that a lady disobeyed her husband's orders. And that's going to empower them to disobey. And the ladies that were there at the party, you know what they're going to say? Ahasuerus is a puppet because he's only the king because of Vashti. And that's why Vashti was able to tell him, no. So you're going to lose on both fronts. You're going to lose on the people that were there and you're going to lose on the people that were not there. So then Haman says, Imala melechto. So therefore, if it's the king sees fit, listen this. The king should pass a royal order. Now hold on, time out. That never happened before. The king doesn't pass royal orders. Royal orders must be passed by the government. Back to our government, House of Representatives, the Senate, the judiciary. What is Haman telling Hasverosh? It's time that you grab all the power. And you make the laws yourself. You change the capital. You spent the money. You tried to reduce Vashti. Now you need to make laws and nobody can tell you what to do. And what's the, what's the first law you're going to put on the books? Amazing. And you're going to write it in the books of Parasu Madai. And nobody can undo it because you're, you're a dictator. 
and the dictator makes laws, nobody can veto you. And you know what the rule is? Rule number one. Royal order. Vashti is not allowed to appear in front of the king. Now, what's the logic of that law? There's a new law on the books. The queen cannot come in front of the king. Explanation is, is that the reason why they write this according to the Malbim, why they're writing it over there, because if you don't write this law, you know what the people are going to say? The people are going to say, what a lady she was. Ahasuerus was probably trying to make peace with her. And uh, what happened? Vashti said, I'm not coming. I'm not talking to you. So it's going to give the, the ladies like uh, Vashti's going to become a hero. That, again, let me explain to what Abim says. They're going to think that what happened is like this. Ashverosh maybe wants to make peace with his wife, and his wife saying, I'm not coming to you. And Ashverosh said, I'm going to kill you. And even if Vashti gets killed, she'll die as a martyr. Because all the women, all women rights are going to say, well, look at that. She died without giving in to her husband. Hey, victory for the ladies. But if you pass a law that says Vashti's not allowed to come see you, then the people will say, she probably was begging for her life, but because Ashverosh made a law that she can't come in, that's why she couldn't come in. That gives you strength. She probably was knocking on the door, please. And the reason why she wasn't let in, not because she didn't want to come. She probably was begging to come in. But there's a law. Vashti has no access. That makes Ashverosh strong and Vashti weak. And then, Ashverosh says, but we're going to need a new queen if we kill this girl. We will choose a new queen. And guess what? By choosing a new queen that's not from royal blood, that'll guarantee that nobody can question why you're the king. <clears throat> that means we're not going to look for Hashubah, the daughter of Queen Elizabeth. No, we're going to just find a, a pretty girl that doesn't come from any, you know, uh, necessary uh, stock. So you see what's going on over here? Every word in this chapter so far was... Now, is Haman successful in changing Ashverosh's mind? Because at this point, Ashverosh can say, listen, do me a favor, Haman, I don't know for you. I want to save my wife. I don't want to kill my wife. I'm not interested. But the Nishmat, Haman still presses. And you're the king. Everybody will listen to your rulings because you're the dictator. And now you're also going to establish that ladies will respect their husbands. Now, here's the key pasuk. The king liked the idea. But look at the language, ladies. The king first, and then the officers. Normally, it's not the king that makes the laws. It's the sarim that makes the laws. At this point, there was a shift. The king wants the law. Once the king wants the law, the Sarim automatically give a rubber stamp on it, and they follow it. It's never happened before. Before, if you wanted a law to get passed, you got to speak to the, the legislation, legislative body, and they got to get it passed. Now, and the Sarim just fell in automatic. Good? 
Vayas HaMelech Edbar Memuchan. And the king follows Haman's orders. Last pasuk, very important. Vayishlach Separim Elkon Medinot HaMelech. So they send out, you know, letters of the new laws. Number one, Vashti cannot come to the king anymore. And number two, uh, here it's coming now. Elkon Medinam Medinat Every Medinat Kichtaba. Every one of the 127 provinces received the edict or the law in its own language. Now, what does that mean? Let me explain to you in American history. I don't know if you know this or not, but the official language of America is not Spanish. The official language is English. You might not know that by now, but it is English. That's why whenever the government sends out rules, it's sent out primarily in English. That is the, when they write laws in the books of America, they write them in English. That's the, until now, there was an official language that was spoken in the kingdom. You know what Hashverosh did at this point? There's no official language. He did away with English. Now every province, like Canada, every province will speak the language that they want to speak. And therefore, again, he did away with the tradition. And therefore, he sends the letters to the people in their language to come along and show there's no, I'm, I'm the king and I do what I want. And therefore, not only did he change the capital, but he did away with the national language. And that's why he sends the law in many languages to show that there's no loyalty to the previous. And what was the law? Well, if you're a man, you love the law. If you're a lady, you're not going to like the law. The law was the yod that every man is the king of his house, and number two, he can speak any language you want. You don't got to speak English anymore. You can speak any language you want. There's no, there's no royal uh, language anymore. The country does not have an official tongue. We unraveled that. We did that. Which, is, by the way, it, side point, a lot of things that happened in the first chapter in the Hashverosh, the story is happening in America today. Slowly, slowly unraveling the democracy, and they're grabbing power, and trying to make themselves absolute uh, monarchs. Final point of the Mabim, I close the book, that the final point is, from here you're going to see tremendous setup, why this chapter is so important. Because what do you see here? As much as Ahasuerus loved his wife, Vashti, and at the end he tried to save her, he chose power over his wife. Remember that. Because later on in the story, a miracle is going to happen that he's going to choose his wife over power. So it's a miracle that Ahasuerus, at the end of the day, as much as he loved Vashti, the power was very, very appealing to him. Later on, when Queen Esther is going to appeal to him, he's going to take Queen Esther's side, which he didn't do in the first chapter. In the first chapter... You can say, well, he loves his wife, but he loved Vashti, but he didn't care too much for her. He killed her at the end of the day. But at the end, he's going to change his attitude. And then we see again, you see Hazorosh is all over the place. Sometimes he listens to his advisors over his wife. And at the end, he's going to kill his advisor, Haman, to save his wife. So go figure out the guy. That's the setup to make you this dead. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I heard this perush a hundred times, but every time I read it, it's just exciting. It's like the first time I'm hearing it. And I hope you appreciated the uh, the new way uh, that you learned this. So they go home to your husbands and tell them, 
Yeah, the Rabbi Mantle said that Ajros was politically savvy, that they stopped going to the guy's class. It's crazy. He was a tipesh. But they won't appreciate the, uh, again, the beautiful words of the Mabi. Have a good day, ladies.